You're listening to the Jim Chapman News Hour, London's favorite source for the news that matters. And we have two fellows who have made news that matters. Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz with us today, both looking very stylish. You're both tied up today. Uh, Isn't that weird? You going some- we're all in blue jeans. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going like somewhere it. together or anything? Is no. There- no, just... No way. No. All right. Uh, Jen, can I get this down just a little bit? That'd be great. Uh, a number of issues I want to talk to you guys about today, but one of them is this story from Boston. I don't know if you heard it. Uh, the story itself is not, uh, even if you haven't heard it, it won't prevent us from talking about it. There's a young woman there, 25 years old. It would have been 25 years old. She's dead now. Unfortunately, she was murdered. She was raped and murdered. She'd been out on the town. Uh, with a girlfriend and having a good time. Apparently was dressed, you know, stylishly for a young woman. Some might say provocatively, but that is the style today. Um, she'd been drinking with her friend for a number of hours. Her friend decided to go home and she said, no, I'm not ready yet. I want to call it a, a night. I'm going to go to another bar. And she went to another bar. Uh, her girlfriend called her then at that bar at about 3.50 in the morning and, and, and it, according to the story, implored her again to go home. She says, nah, nah I'm having too much fun. Seventeen hours later, they found her body at a traditional dump for mafia victims, although they're not, they don't think this was a mafia-related thing, but it was some traditional place where you do this. Uh, she was bound and had been beaten and raped and, and murdered. Um, well, that's a sad story. I think we'd all agree with that. But the story gets, there's a twist here. Radio station WRKO in Boston has a fellow who does a show not unlike mine by the name of John DePetro, or DePetro. He said that she was asking for trouble by staying out after a girlfriend accompanying her went home. She was asking for trouble. She was in a rough part of town, um, a rough part of town, left her girl, her girlfriend left, should have gone home, was gassed, didn't go home, and ended up dead. Now, the interesting thing is not so much that he said this, but the response. Apparently, the response has been very positive. There have been a lot of people who have called the show to agree with him and said, well, you know, you got to be realistic today. Uh, it may be that we should be free to go anywhere at any time, any of us, but the reality is that you can't do that. And this has created quite a furor, apparently, over this. Not just that he said this, but the, if he just said it and everybody said, what a terrible thing to say, fine. But that's not what's happened. He has said it, and he's got tremendous, apparently, response from his audience and support from his audience. Now, obviously, this is a terrible and tragic crime, and I don't think anything will change that. But I'd like to ask each of our guests today what they make of this sort of reaction, the fact that the fellow said this, uh, and the reaction that he's got to it. This apparently very significant support. And, Bob, I'd start with you. Uh, uh, Do you think it's appropriate to make a comment like that, even if it may be true? I think there are two different meanings ascribed to the term asking for it in this context. One I totally disagree with, the other one I understand. Um, If you walk into a high crime-ridden area and you know it's crime-ridden, that doesn't justify any crime being committed against you, but that you're aware of it places you at greater risk. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, a lot of people are saying, well, she placed herself in that risk. But that to me doesn't justify anything morally to suggest that she was in any way responsible for what happened to her. And it also deflects from the real issue, the crime and the criminals themselves. We had the same thing happen in London here when Chief Fantino was here. Only at that time, he was picking on people who... uh, 
you know, left their cars without with keys in them or, or didn't lock them. So we're, they're going to blame the victim there, too. Mm-hmm. So that if some guy came by and stole your car and it was unlocked or you, you know, whatever, you would be just as much responsible. Well, it's for not the just theft. the chief. It's the insurance company, well, too. Insurance company has a different reason and a different justification, but a police officer who can actually fine you and punish you, never mind just hold you responsible for consequences like a, like an insurance company, mm-hmm. but he's being your daddy in that case, okay? And uh, if you're an adult, he hasn't got that right. Let's put it straightforward as that. But um, in that case, you know, again, it's blaming the victim, and, 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 and in so many ways, it's letting the perpetrator get away with things. I think we need to crack down on crime and focus on always the activities, the behaviors of the criminal activity. Well, I th- I'm sure that most of the people involved with this would agree with you, but sure. but but the you know the the more specific issue here is that it appears appears that this guy got a lot of support for comments that at first blush you would expect to have been roundly denounced by one and all. Yes, if you mean she was asking for it because she was wearing a short dress or well, she was. provocatively. Apparently she was. It would not matter whether she was walking nude down the street. That wouldn't justify anybody doing anything to her that she didn't consent to. But what to. do you make of the fact that there apparently is a lot of support for him saying this? Does that um, have any significance for us at all? I think it does. I think it shows how backwards some people are still thinking, if that's the interpretation they're given to it. Jeff, what do you make of this? You're a lawyer. Is it, do you have any different perspective on it? Uh, no, I agree with everything that uh, Bob just said. And, Whoa, wait uh, a minute. Can end the show. Down. Yeah. Oh, oh I kind of thought you would. This is we're something done. we don't usually disagree we're on. We're done. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of a couple of things. One of them was, um, I recall a few years ago, that there was a judge who was... Um, a uh, grandson, I think, of Nellie McClung, who got in trouble because there was a uh, case involving a, um, I think it was, a, it was some kind of a sexual assault by an employer. And uh, his line was that, uh, uh, well, she didn't exactly present herself in crinolines and lace uh, and to suggest that, well, she was asking for it mm-hmm. uh, because of the way she was dressed. And uh, the Supreme Court just tore a strip off of him over that one. And it, and it kind of reminded me as well of um, the Take Back the Night March and how historically we've said, you know, women, you just shouldn't be out at night, you know, because it's dangerous and you're just little women and so on. And that women have sort of gotten together and say, you know, that's just not... That's just not right, and we're going to band together and take back the nights. Um, so I think that that uh, the first thing is that it is true that it's first of all tactless and and inappropriate to say that about somebody who's had a, a terrible thing happen to him. In no way, I, and I'm sure he didn't mean it either to let the to, to let the perpetrator off the hook in any way. But clearly, it doesn't. Um, and and the fact that people are have a resonance to it, it reminds me of something else, and that is that there seems to be a general perception among the public that crime is worse now than it's been in the past, things the way they are today. And yet everything I've seen in the last, well, since I was on the police board a decade ago, was that crime rates have generally fallen, violent crime rates have fallen in Canada and the United States, and that it's not true to say that we're getting worse and that uh, there, since crime is worse, therefore we have to ex- you know, adopt these expedients like saying women shouldn't be out late at night. Uh, it's just not accurate. But that because we're so inundated by the media with evidence of crimes that happen every day and so on, that the average person thinks things are way worse out well, there, there than is, they are. There is an argument to be made about what's being reported there, and there is a school of thought, as you know, that, that a lot of the, the, the pettier, the smaller crimes uh, probably have not decreased, in fact may have gone up, but people just don't report them anymore. But the serious crimes, yeah, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that violence and, and serious assaults definitely has gone down right across North America. Yeah, and they tend to be reported. And you're right about the other part. And I remember Chief Fantino used to say that the crime rate for certain types of crime are whatever we kind of decide it's going to be. For instance, if we decide we're going to target prostitution, charges will go up. 
dramatically. Yeah. Um, but as far as violent crime and, uh, and capital types of crime, uh, again, it's too bad. I always, I always regret the fact that people think it's much worse than it, than it used to be. I think the perception, that's, it's been a trend for a while. You know, before the communications that we have today, uh, it would be rare that a Londoner would hear about a murder, murder going on in Detroit or yeah. Toronto or anything like that. But yeah. now everything's next door. Yeah. So you might feel well, like it's your local neighborhood that's being so violent, but you're hearing about isolated incidents. In but local I, reg- areas, I regret the stress it causes world. people. I think you know people are going through life thinking, "Oh my God, you know things are going to." Yeah. Can I say hell? Yeah, sure, you can. <laughs> in a handbasket. That's where they're going. According <laughs> to these people, then you can report that. And I wish I wish we could persuade them. Look, it's not so bad. We're going to pause for just a second. We will be back, uh, Jeff. Schlemmer and Bob Metz on Left, Right, and Center. Okay, guys, I want to play devil's advocate for a minute here because I think there is another issue, and Jeff, you alluded to the Take Back the Night March. If uh, And Bob made some reference there, or we were talking about insurance a minute ago. If, if someone, if an insurance company were to insure you for your behavior, for example, and say, I want to be insured that I don't get hurt as a result of the things that I do, and they said to you, well, what do you do? Well, I live in London, Ontario. I work at a radio station. I drive back and forth. I have dinner out at a local restaurant once in a while, and I go to the movies. All right, your premium will be $10. And my friend says, well, I, you know, I skydive. I mountain climb. I regularly go to Mexico. Uh, uh, you know, I take tours through the former Soviet Union. Uh, okay, fine. And your, uh, in the Middle East, too. And your premium will be $50. And we would look at that and say, well, okay, that's, there's nothing unreasonable about that. Um, and yet we, we still, and I'm not defending this at all, but I'm saying if someone were to put themselves into a situation uh, in London or anywhere else at night walking in an unsafe area, there is an expectation, and I think appropriately there's an expectation that we should be safe to do that. But the reality is that we're not safe in all situations. Um, is it, uh, you know, are we kidding ourselves to think that just as an example that women or men and women can indeed take back the night by simply saying we, we think we should be able to do this? I think the neighborhoods have been taken back that way uh, historically. But on the other hand, I also would say there's nothing wrong with telling your son or daughter, you know, don't go to certain places at certain times of the day or night. I wouldn't be caught dead in London at 3 a.m. downtown because when I read in the paper, that seems to be when most of the assaults occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so there's nothing they wrong with got dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, so I think there's nothing wrong with talking about common sense and uh, and saying, you know, be careful about things. Also, as you said, that insurance companies are, are they're free to insure who they want and who they don't want. And uh, often you see it in terms of incentives that they say, you know, if you're a non-smoker, your rates are a bit cheaper and so on. But I, I believe, for instance, most people who lived in New Orleans were not able to get flood insurance uh, for obvious reasons. Um, so it's a question, I guess, of how far can you take that, for instance, uh, you know, uh, if you live in a high crime area, uh, should you have higher premiums than if you live in a low crime area? I suppose it's a free, it, it's it's private sector that they would, I think, be free to do that. On the other hand, as a matter of us trying to reclaim bad areas, you know, is it a deterrent? Either of you see Boston Legal last night? No, well, I love that another, show. There was another interesting little moral, moral dilemma that they sometimes pose. They had a fellow who had wired his house with electricity because he'd been broken into by drug addicts so often. And one of the drug addicts uh, breaking in was very seriously hurt by that. And, of course, that is against the law. It's against the law in this city. We had a case just, uh, they talked about in the news just this week, where they found a, a grow-op that had been wired up. Um, the case was interesting because they, 
they broke the case and got the guy off, never went to trial, because they painted him as the American homeowner who was under attack in his uh, in his domicile. And uh, it was, you know, they, they went through all the things that they do on a television show to sort of set this all up. But eventually they couldn't get a jury. They couldn't find a jury. Uh, and uh, the prosecutor dropped the case because he knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. There is this perception, and you've alluded to it earlier, Jeff, that we're sort of under attack in a lot of different ways. And there's a, 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 um, a certain concern in this country that we're not able to defend ourselves. Well, if our right to defend ourselves has been eroded to such a degree that you can't even car- carry non-lethal weapons to defend yourself, like certain sprays. Well, you talked about like downtown, that. for example, yeah. Jeff. Unless you're after bear. Yeah, but if you <laughs> if you were attacked downtown by a guy who punched you in the face, and you happen to have a baseball bat in your pocket, you can't hit him with a baseball bat, even to defend yourself. Um, well, well, is that a good you, thing or a bad thing? You can. As a matter of law, you can use reasonable force. You can use what the force that's required to stop the crime from being committed, but there was a case in London within the last couple of months, and I, it hasn't gone to trial, and I don't know anything beyond what was in the newspapers, but I recall that Chief Faulkner wrote an editorial responding to it, where a fellow uh, came upon a situation where I believe his girlfriend was being attacked. It, 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 well, in a gas bar, yes. Yes, and and so the, the boyfriend then stopped the attack, but then seemed to go considerably beyond that as far as beating the crap out of the attacker, and the chief felt the need to write explaining why this fellow is now charged, saying, look, you can stop the attack, and, and we're not expecting surgical precision with this. You know, who knows how much force it takes to stop the attack. It's going to differ in every case. It depends on, are you a big person, are you a little person? Uh, you know, you might shoot someone to stop an attack if you're small and there's no other way to do it. But, on the other hand, we say that's not a license then to just go nuts and wail. And I think the law in the States historically has been quite different when it comes to defending your home, because I believe that there is a strong um, tradition in the United States that you do have a right to defend your home. Um, and uh, if you shoot somebody who's in your house robbing it in the United States, I believe that that would be considered to be uh, within your constitutional rights, whereas in Canada, I think you'd be in trouble. Oh, well, um, you for certainly you would be. And we've had we've talked with uh, Chief Fantuna and Chief Faulkner about this at different occasions, and you would be in trouble. And we just have a far different tradition. See, I, I, would, I would I would be an American supporter on that particular situation because <laughs> I think in your home you should have you still you should still be accountable for your actions even actions of self defense mm-hmm. but you should have the uh, the priority you know if you, you know what I mean like when it comes to any issues of doubt or even perhaps a little bit of extremity here and there when someone in violates your home they basically said well you know I don't respect your rights mm-hmm. okay so then. There's no negotiation. Yeah, my my okay. problem with the with the Canadian policy on that is is that it it presupposes at least as I understand it and sir, as I've seen cases play out, it presupposes that there's always the ability to negotiate. Right. And and my concern always has been if that guy I get up in the middle of the night and I come downstairs and there's a guy standing in my living room, I have no way of knowing what his intentions are, other than he's obviously made, to a certain point, he's made them very clear. I have no way of gauging or judging what that threat might be. And in my mind, in my mind, I should be free to respond to that guy to whatever extent I think is appropriate. But I'm not allowed to do that. If I misjudge him or he wasn't a drug-crazed addict, he was just some you know, poor fool who was made, you know, made a mistake and broke into my house, I'm in a world of trouble. And I'm not sure that that's right. I, I tend to agree with you. I think you have that that fundamental, basic first right to, 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 to your own property. Now, again, if this guy's in your home and you come upon him, and the first thing he says, "Oh, sorry, Mister," you know, like I, I'm not going to hurt you. I just something something happened, mm-hmm. and you go ahead and beat him up. Mm-hmm. You're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I guess it all depends on on who the aggressor is. That's basically the fundamental between right and wrong. The person in the right is the person who's acting what we call justifiably, and that's always in self-defense and in defense of life, liberty, and property. Person who's in the wrong is the person who who initiates the use of physical force. Okay, we're going to pause again. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about right and wrong. This time uh, in Ottawa, in the Parliament buildings, I'm going to talk about Mr. Shapiro. Wrong and wrong there. Well, we'll find (laughs) out. Stay with us. Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer with us today. Who are these guys? Uh, Jeff Schlemmer is a local lawyer. He's the head of Neighborhood Legal Services, and Bob is our man at the Freedom Party. That's right. Uh, and that's, uh, that's who they are. So, uh, Bernard <laughs> Shapiro, who is he? He is the ethics commissioner appointed by uh, Mr. Kretchen. Uh He's now under fire a little bit because he's crossed swords with our new prime minister, Mr. Harper. Uh, the story, as we understand it, is that some liberal MPs complained that there might have been improprieties in the solicitation of David Emerson to cross the floor and join the Tory cabinet. Uh, Mr. Shapiro uh, did not undertake any investigation when Scott Bryson crossed the floor, nor did he when Belinda Stronach crossed the floor. Uh, and in both such cases, there certainly were suggestions that um, they, it may have been to their advantage to do so. I believe the wording is something like you, one member may not induce another member to uh, to do anything for personal gain. Uh, how you would define personal gain, I guess there might be some some discussion about that. Now this has turned into something much larger where the, the Prime Minister said, this guy has to go, he's a liberal hack. Uh, nobody's happy with him, and apparently is the case. The Liberals aren't happy with him, the NDP isn't happy with him, the Tories aren't happy with him. And the Prime Minister said he, had to, he has to go, but... It is, it is set against a backdrop of a prime minister who is apparently being investigated by this guy for his complicity in uh, breaking the rules. Uh, who's right, who's wrong, what's going on here? Bob, what do you make of it? I don't even know what rules being broken. I think we discussed something close to this a few weeks ago. And these are the rules. Okay, this is that's how the other people cross the floor, in the same way. And I don't know, I'm in the political party business. It seems to me if I can attract someone from another party to mine, that's a good thing, and I should be working at it. But you can't do it by offering them inducements. You can't well, promise them things. A personal thing, but you can promise them political power. That's where you're at. That's all you've got. Isn't that you know? personal, though? No, no, it shouldn't be. You don't now, think it's personal? If, you don't think... Uh, uh, well, the only thing personal is the wages and benefits they're attached to it. If there's anything else personal, I'd be looking at that twice uh you know a person in politics should be driven by whatever motivates them that's political okay now that's personal too i mean can i tell you i'm in politics for a non-personal reason that would be nonsensical Mm -hmm. politics is extremely personal Mm -hmm. it's personal from the word go to the word finish and so to suggest that it's not or try to make it some impersonal thing is is outrageous really politics is personal government should be impartial uh, although it often isn't. Jeff, yep. uh, you look at this situation, what do you see here? Well, I guess the uh, the first thing that struck me about it, and, and I'll explain why, well, let me tell you why first, but uh, Mr. Harper is essentially now saying that he challenges the authority of the of the commissioner as to whether or not the commissioner is right or wrong and whether or not they're... The other thing is that Mr. Harper made a big deal during the election about investigations that were going on against the Liberals, and he made a big deal about the fact that you're being investigated is a bad thing. And at one point he asked Mr. Martin, how many investigations are going on into your government? And there's an element of glass houses here in the sense mm-hmm. that nobody was uh, was found to have done anything wrong uh, in any of these investigations, oh, oh, but he turned oh, 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 them. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. There's 
No, well, we're not talking about Mr. Gomery here. We're talking about somebody else. No, in terms of ongoing investigations. Okay, uh, the Tony that, Valerian. Uh, although that wasn't an investigation was, either, though, was it? Yeah, there, but you know, there was the thing about uh, the whether or not there was a leak of some announcement that was going to be made late in the day. And uh, anyway, um, so the risk for Mr. Harper, and, and he may well succeed in it, is that he is essentially saying, "I just refute the whole process. I'm not going to. I exert executive privilege, and I'm not going to have anything to do with this. You report to the House of Commons. I'm simply not going to talk to you." And he did that last summer as well in the German Gruel thing and was mm-hmm. successful in not talking to him. <clears throat> what it reminds me of, uh, as far as who ultimately uh, wins at the end of the day, is is uh, Watergate, mm-hmm. because Richard Nixon did exactly the same thing with the U.S. Congress and Senate. And but, said, you suggest, but Richard Nixon, it was later proven, had uh, seriously broken the law. Are you suggested there's I any think transgressions of the law if, here? If Nixon had come forward at the start of that and said, Somebody in the, the Republican National Committee has done some bad things, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. He probably would have survived. It was his stonewalling and yeah. constant stonewalling. I won't give you tapes, blah, blah, but blah, blah. But is Harper stonewalling here? Harper has said that it's a, it's ridiculous to even consider such a thing. Well, then he'll win his complaint. But, you know, before the election, he was the one who was all about the problem with the ethics commissioner is he's toothless. He doesn't have enough power. He's not independent enough and so on. And now, suddenly, uh, you know, having lived in the glass house and having the things turned around on him, he's saying this process is not legitimate. It, I'm yeah, not going to participate. Mr. Uh, Shapiro, apparently, uh, as I gather, was a career bureaucrat academic. He worked for uh, the Harris government on a variety of things. Just to say that he's just having a, a patriot attack, he may make that stick, but there are some reasons why he may not. The person it reminds me most of, though, is Jean Chrétien. And I heard in the party for the longest time the debate between the Chrétienites and the Martinites about Gomery. And Chrétien was always extremely upset that uh, Martin called this inquiry because Chrétien said, I would have just denied everything and bowled my way through it. Mm-hmm. That's the way I would have handled it. Gretchen, you know, goes or Martin goes out and hires Gomery and has this inquiry, cooperates and all that stuff, and ends up being thrown out of office in a scandal-ridden. But isn't know, that? But that's okay, corpse. isn't it? I mean, uh, to, to me, Crechen's uh, approach, while it may be very practical politics, was incredibly s- cynical. But that's what Mr. Mar- Mr. Harper's doing now as well. Mr. Harper's saying, I won't even talk to you. I won't even dignify the fact that I'm being investigated with cooperating with you in any way at all. But I deny you big, of any authority. There's a big difference between two liberal MPs going to the guy and saying, you know, we think maybe something went on when this guy crossed the floor. Well, that's what all complaints and, and, are. And what Gomery investigated. You know, I mean, that's what all complaints are. And the complaint that, he investigated, uh, that is being investigated by the RCMP that was announced during the election that many people say, you know, sank the liberal ship had to do with whether or not information was leaked by the Minister of, the Minister of Finance to uh, certain people that caused the stock market to fluctuate. Again, all it was was an NDP MP who went to the RCMP and said, would you investigate it? And they said, oh, well, I guess that's our job. Okay, we will. Uh, but the reality is we all know that people take investigations seriously, even though as a lawyer, I would say the fact someone's being investigated means nothing. Nothing has been proved. Mm-hmm. All we have is a process to look into whether there's something and that to process is if, going on. Yeah. That's right. And so if Mr. Harper was being consistent with what he had said before the election, he would say, I welcome the opportunity to, part- to participate in this. I'm going to uh, ensure that we have an independent ethics commissioner, and I will tell him everything I know, and I'm sure I'll be exonerated. That's what you would expect. Uh, the fact that he's simply saying, I will not talk to you at all. So how do you get sucked into this then? Obviously, this is not a good place for him to be. Well, it might be. Again, Mr. Kretchen was very successful doing this, and and I think Mr. Harper will be as well. Mr. Harper uh, has staked himself out so far uh, in the Emerson affair. He, he fired his uh, his uh, media. Um 
director of media and replaced uh, uh, him with someone who was uh, from Mr. Harris's uh, government. Uh, he's playing hardball, and it may well succeed. His history tells us that uh, that often works. And if you can throw enough mud at this fellow, even though he theoretically has a five-year appointment and can't be fired except for misconduct, everybody's saying he's going to be gone. Well, theoretically, that can't happen, but it looks like it may. And Mr. Harper has majority of votes in the House of Commons, and if he can bring a, some kind of a vote that he, this guy should be gone, he will be. I was very surprised to see um, uh, Ed Broadbent uh, involved in this as apparently supporting Mr. Harper mm-hmm. and saying this fellow has to go. And it's like, well, Mr. Broadbent is certainly no fan of Mr. Harper, so there's obviously something to the fact that Mr. Shapiro's got some problems. Well, I said I said earlier that he doesn't seem to have the uh, command, the, the, the no. support of the confidence of any part of the House, no. none of the parts. But, but again, it's like judges. Judges are appointed for life so that they can't be intimidated. And theoretically, this guy is appointed for five years so he can't be intimidated. But now he's being intimidated. Uh, I see a I see a bigger undercurrent on, under all this, and it's just basically the struggle between the two parties, and even the voters having problem with the whole Emerson crossing the floor bit. Now, if I had voted for this person, I would have voted for him because I because he had a set of beliefs or a philosophy or a direction that I agreed with, mm-hmm. and. If that person was on the losing party side and the winning party took him on board, I'd almost say, yay, victory for me, not boo, mm-hmm. right? But that's not how anybody's looking at mm-hmm. it. People aren't even concerned with the candidate. The candidate doesn't even rate the status of a pawn in a chess game, for heaven's sakes. So it's you're all party is- leadership and party politics and party religion, as I call it. You know, my loyalty to the party, regardless of what policy is. The policies between liberals and conservatives are well, not Well, that, that does different. need to be fleshed out. Somebody needs to answer the question, which I haven't heard an answer to yet is, uh, you know, what is a personal favor? Like, for instance, I realize Mr. Bryson left the Conservative Party. He didn't join the Liberal Party. He left because he was gay and they wouldn't support same-sex marriage. Um, Linda Stronach left. That's a personal gain. That's a personal Well, and reason. that's the thing. That, yeah. that, but, but he left a party as opposed to going out to join a party. And well, is that a difference? Right. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. I don't think anybody does at this point. The, the government, the House of Commons, needs to decide what the rules are and where the line is drawn. Uh, Linda Stronach left because she was uh, mad at uh, Stephen Harper. She had been a uh, failed candidate for leadership and she was disillusioned now, see, with the party now there's a, there's so she was she was courted by david peterson now see i would tr- i would trust neither of these two people to run for my party yeah but, but, but again the rules are, the but i don't know easy, what the rules are but there is an easy solution to that problem a very easy solution the parliament will never adopt the easy solution is if you're no longer comfortable with the gut with the party under whose banner you ran that you resign your seat and run again True. Under, under whatever banner you think is appropriate. Sheila Copps is the only person I can think of who did that. It would solve all of these problems. I know. But st- I don't even think it should be a problem. I think it shouldn't matter what party you belong to. But um, it does. As, as, as it Jeff does and I, matter, as we though. And there are many people, but there are many people who cast their votes on based on the party, not the individual. And I think well, they that's have, but, their error. But they have not some rights, Harper's, too. Not but anybody I think, else. I think well, they have rights, too. They have rights to say, I support this party. You're the candidate for this no, party. No, they don't support If they have that right, then you have a voting system that does it that way, but our voting system doesn't. Our voting system's for the candidate, and you don't have any choice with the party or the leader. Guys, thank you so much again. Always <laughs> thanks, a pleasure. Bob Metz, yeah, Jeff Schlemmer with us. They can't hear it, but the music's playing in the background here. That's why we have to wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show and being part of it. We appreciate that very much, and we will be back tomorrow. Good Lord willing, and the truck starts. We'll be here at 11 in the morning. The next edition of the Jim Chapman News Hour on 94.9 CHRW. In the meantime, as Jim is saying, please take care of each other. Mind how you going. God bless. Bye bye. I'll just see you.